Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Uh, welcome, the listeners of CKXU, uh, uh, the listeners of the University Radio Station, and welcome them to this broadcast, and uh, we hope we hear a lot more of you. Um, I want to give the, the information on next week's session, and that is uh, climate change and its impacts on food security. Climate change and its impacts on food security. In other words, uh, given climate change, uh, what are we going to do about it politically and uh, economically? And the speaker is Sandy Aberdeen, and the moderator is Tom Kane. So that's next Thursday. Now we welcome back... Uh, uh, our speaker, Ned Shellington, and we will, uh, uh, the Knut is messing with the mic over there, we'll invite you to go to the microphone, introduce yourself, be brief, and, um, and we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this. Hi, Ned. Hi. I'm, I'm Bev Mendel-Atherstone. I met you earlier. Yes, we met earlier. Thank you very much for your courageous talk, and thank you for sharing with us your courageous life. Being in politics certainly isn't easy. At our table, I was putting forth the idea that it's our individualistic society that's part of the problem that makes people, <clears throat> that we have to climb on top of each other, the dog-eat-dog society, that makes us so um, um, mean to each other and mean to people who are different in any way. And furthermore, that it's our colonial heritage. I have to say I'm half English, but I feel that it was the British colonialization of Canada that really made us more mean to each other. They were not accepting, they were not accepting of the Aboriginal people, the French who came, actually intermarried with the Aboriginal people. But the British were more aloof and um, didn't want to intermarry and also were mean to their own women, as in my own ancestry, where they didn't allow women to have property. As soon as you married in uh, a husband, all the property that you brought into the marriage became your husband's. So I'm sh <clears throat> I don't want to be mean to any nationality, but that is my history, that is my heritage. Um, so I think we learn, this is all learned, we learn to be mean to one another, and through our individualism, I believe we've learned to be mean to one another as well. So uh, any comments you'd like to make on the cultural heritage that we have of climbing on top of each other? Yes. Um, uh, you'll recognize the Saskatchewan New Democrat here when I quote Tommy Douglas. Uh, who used to say that uh, free enterprise is like an elephant dancing in a chicken coop, singing every man for himself. Uh, and um, it is true that um, uh, it's true that in a highly competitive uh, society, uh, the weak tend to get left behind. 
That having been said, uh, life is just very complex. I've, I've found life to be very complex. It is demonstrably true that the uh, society which has gone the furthest to accommodate the handicapped is the most capitalistic society of the Americans. Uh, they are demonstrably ahead of everybody else. Um, now, the cynics say uh, that's because they're um, welcomed home. Uh, they, had to welcome, they had to integrate back into society half a million soldiers who fought a pointless war in Vietnam and came back injured. Uh, I think that's unfair. Um, I think the uh, Americans deserve more credit than that. It's true uh, that the uh, veterans uh, played a major role in getting the ADA passed, but it applies to everyone. And um, I think you're, it's just very difficult to, um, to generalize about cultures. Uh, what the ones, some that you would expect um, are really done very little. Switzerland is one. Switzerland, Switzerland is a very difficult country. Uh, this is a country which has skewed war and um, prides itself on being cooperative. It is, uh, has done very little to accommodate the um, handicapped. So it's, uh, I think it was Bev, it's, um, it is not easy to generalize about society. This, I, this you can say with safety. Uh, this is a rich, man's, um, a rich man's concern. Outside of the G8, uh, uh, with uh, the distant exception of China, which is struggling to come to terms with this, outside of the G8, um, no developing country has the resources to deal with this, and there are no uh, no steps taken in the third world uh, to um, accommodate the handicapped. This is a rich man's uh, conversation, exactly, Terry. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for the question. It's a very thoughtful question. Barbara Warren, I'm of English descent, and I couldn't disagree more. Um, I believe that. You don't learn from a culture, you learn from yourself and other people and you can become compassionate. Our best friends happen to be in wheelchairs and they live here in Lethbridge. So I'm very, very aware constantly of the problems that are here in Lethbridge. And yes, we do have handicapped parking and we do have all of the things that you said, but they don't always work. And you must know, from the point of view of being in a handicapped vehicle, that you can go into a handicapped place and still can't get out. Um, and so I don't know how this city can constantly refuse people who do go to City Hall and make their demands known. And I don't know that perhaps more of us need to get behind these people and help them because um, I'm very aware that even here they've eventually taken the door off in the ladies' bathroom. But not, it's not very easy for somebody in a scooter to get in there. And you must know that very well. So I don't know. It's, is it money in this city or what is it? Is it money most of the time? Uh, I think, uh, I don't want to denigrate anyone in Lethbridge. But my experience has been it's mostly about leadership. In some communities, you, get, you have inspired, passionate leadership who take uh, charge of these issues. 
Uh, as uh, happened with the American with Disabilities Act. It happened to be a senator from Alaska with a son who was in a wheelchair. Uh, you get passionate, able, inspired leadership who drives the issues, and in some communities you don't. People aren't better or worse in some communities than others. They just uh, don't. I think it's more leadership. But I, I certainly my comment, Madam, uh, to your penultimate comment was that we need to get behind these people. All I can say is amen, sister. Uh, you really do. Um, and uh, there are so many things you can do which don't cost a nickel. Uh, the social media, letters to the editor. Um, uh, uh, consider, uh, as uh, Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs, consider making a um, – uh, consider uh, presenting a petition in person to the uh, city council. Uh, you elect them. They work for you. But thank you. It was a very thoughtful comment. Uh, my name is Van Christou. Um, I'd like to express uh, my thank you, Ahmed, for your being here today and uh, bringing to us a topic that all of us uh, can forget about so easily. Um, it's a minority group. Uh, we're living in an affluent society. We have our busy activities that uh, that go with that, that uh, it's very easy to forget about the the minority group that's disadvantaged. I like the fact that you presented the idea that it comes down to the matter of respect between people. You don't help a, a person in a wheelchair thoughtlessly without respecting his position, without thinking about it. And uh, we're living in a society, it seems to me, where respect is... Uh, very much challenged by so many of our th the things that we that we do at all levels, even our governmental level, uh, our international attitudes, where we're number one and we're going to go out and help people. Who said that they uh, that they ask for the help? In many cases, uh, we're really helping ourselves, and uh, it it, co it comes down to all levels, including the matter of royalty. In my opinion, uh, how do you respect one person more than another? If you respect one person much more than another, you disrespect the other. Can you agree with that? I entirely agree. It's all about respect. It's all about respecting the person in the wheelchair, uh, the same as you would a person who, uh, the same as someone who walks up to you on two legs. It's all about mutual respect, respecting each other as human beings. It's very true. Hi, my name is Knut Peterson. Uh, being a bit of a wannabe athlete myself, could you relate uh, what sports, what does, uh, what role does the sport play in disabled people's lives? Right, hard on the heels of the Paralympics in London, which was a huge success. Uh, maybe not medal-wise for Canada, but nevertheless, it was. I think. There's, it has a real role to play in, uh, in disabled people's lives. Um, yeah, you're, you're on dangerous ground. Get me going on the question of um, um, get me going on the question of, of sport, recreation, and exercise for the handicapped, and you really will come to understand the meaning of eternity, because I never get <laughs> finished. Uh, I'll try to be brief about it. It is, it is very important. The level of fitness among the handicapped is appalling. 
um, and it is uh, unnecessary. Uh, I go to the um, Eau Claire YMCA as many times a week as I can uh, manage it. Uh, they can uh, provide exercise for paraplegics, quadriplegics, and all the ones in between, and do. Um, elite sport canute is very important. I don't know if you've been following the uh, Paralympics in um, London. Uh, I just, on the way down, was uh, reading an article in The Economist magazine on the Paralympics in London, which have just concluded on September 9th, I think. Um, they have evoked huge interest in London. Um, the BBC has devoted uh, 500 hours broadcast time to it, far more than they intended to. The audience is far larger. Uh, Chinese, uh, the, uh, chi China's uh, dominating the Paralympics with their wins. Uh, the Chinese uh, media has, is broadcasting five hours a week. And um, uh, their, um, France and Germany have also found, uh, apparently, according to this article, that there is much broader interest in the Paralympics than they expected. They have increased. And so it, it's, it, spreads, um, um, it spreads awareness and it, um, they are role models for the handicapped to follow. So, uh, sport, whether it's elite sport or whether it's recreational sport, plays an enormously important role and needs to play a larger role in the life of uh, handicapped people. I'll leave it at that, but as I say, you've, you, you can well come to understand the meaning of eternity with me on this subject. Thanks, Ned. Uh, I'm, I'm Mary Shillington, as Ned knows, but uh, the rest of you might not. Uh, Ned, I think it, two things. I think it would be interesting for you to tell the story about your swimming and how fast you can swim and the issue around the parade, because uh, I think that's, that's a reflective of, of how we view uh, uh, people with handicaps. Uh, the other th question I'd like you to address is you had the stats about uh, marriage breakdowns with spinal injury. And uh, I've seen how it's affected you and Tanya and w the difference it's made in what she has to do and, and you've had to give up. And so I, I wondered if you might comment on uh, some of that first. But maybe first tell your humor, well, your story about swimming. Um, I, um, go, I try to get out, I think this is what you're referring to. I, I, I try to get out um, once a... Um, a two to three times a week, actually, and a swim a kilometer. I, I once met a man who uh, was 100 years of age, and he still ran a mile. And he loved to say, I run the fastest mile in the world, and then after an artful pause, for men over 100 years of age. <laughs> well, I say I swim the fastest kilometer in Calgary for paraplegics over 65 years of age. Um, the... Um, Sorry, Mary, I, I'm the worst... Huh? The parade. Oh, the parade, the Stampede Parade. Um, the um, uh, Stampede, I'm sure, as everyone knows, is a uh, Class A uh, fair. They're, in this sense, the city of Calgary is punching way above its weight. The other cities which put on Class A exhibitions are all the size of Houston or, or, or Denver and so on. Uh, Calgary does punch above its weight in, in, in this. So it's a very good exhibition. Uh, the parade is hard to manage. 
So I'm making all the excuses for the Stampede Board because this is what happened. I am, I, you know, you will be aware, or you may not be aware, Calgary is divided into 156 communities. Um, and so people live in East Village or uh, Bow River or whatever the name of the community is. Those 156 have a federation called the Federation of Calgary Communities. I am one of the directors on the Federation of Calgary Communities. And uh, our executive director, she's the daughter of an Irish cop, and uh, she needed it. Um, she got the, she had a notion that uh, there is about a couple of hundred uh, entries in the parade. She got a notion that each one of the... And part of managing a problem with a parade is the thing will get spread out and it will take forever for the parade to get finished if you don't watch it. And the way you manage that is that each entry, whether it be a band or a whatever, there's a person walking to the right or left of that entry and they pace themselves in front of them. And the band doesn't look at the people in front of them. They look at the pacer and they stay with the pacer. The pacer's responsible for keeping them spread apart um, the proper distance. And uh, Leslie had this idea that the communities would provide the pacers, so each one, would, and there'd be a sash, East Village would be would be one pacer, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll be a pacer. Um, and so that was fine. Leslie put my name down. Uh, she uh, thought of this a little sooner than Gordon Barnhart and I did. Uh, she told him immediately that, by the way, the pacer from East Village, uh, he's also one of our, he's also our, I was the treasurer at the time, he's also our treasurer, uh, he's in a wheelchair. Oh, the stampede board said we can't do that. We can't have a person in a um, wheelchair you know, pacing. You know, they've got to be able to keep up. Unless they said, well, I think he can, um, uh, but I'll ask him. I said, oh, yes, I, the parade, I've watched this, it takes two hours to cover two miles. I go to the Y two to three times a week, and I do two miles in half an hour. So this is not even taxing. Uh, anyway, the Stampede Board would not relent. Uh, Leslie being, the, as I say, the daughter of an Irish cop, uh, got her Irish up. She didn't relent. And uh, they eventually, uh, about a week before the parade was to go on, they finally agreed on a compromise. I could go in the parade and wear the sash, but I wasn't a pacer. Uh, and they had one of the Stampede Board members follow me uh, because they knew full well that shortly after I got started, I was going to collapse and they'd have to push me. So one of them followed me. She's a very nice lady. I'm not being critical of her. And of course, it went all right. But uh, this was two years ago. So this attitude that the disabled are un unable to participate in Norman human affairs, this just uh, goes on and on. This year, I'm happy to say, uh, there was no argument, and um, I... Uh, paced for an American band, actually. Uh, so uh, we make progress slowly, step by step. You had a third question. The second question was about the affecting the, the partners. Oh, uh, it has a profound effect. Um, the whole relationship changes. And um, uh, that is, uh, I think it's actually drawn Sonia and I closer together. But um, it really does. It, it has a very profound effect. Uh, everything about your relationship is going to change. And uh, it takes a lot of uh, goodwill, time, and patience. Um, I, I can well understand why um, 
So many marriages break up, they just cannot make the adjustment. I see a couple of people at the... Um, Hi. <clears throat> Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, I wanted to... Your, your name? Francis Schultz. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> um, I wanted to just talk about um, issue at a political level, city council level in Lethbridge, where, yes, it's true, there are ramps in various areas for getting into various things, but I think that, that there's still an issue with respect to not respecting the needs of those with handicap problems for access as well as you would for other people. And, and my illustration is at the Bowman Arts Center where the city put in a lift for people. It's not an elevator there, it's a lift. And it's a lift that is constantly breaking down. People have been trapped inside here and, and I just think that they did a cheap job to meet the needs um, that's, that doesn't meet the needs. And do we have that thing happen, that kind of thing happening all the time? Because I've been trapped in the lift there when I needed to use it. So I know that for someone, and, and I could still stand, but for someone else to try and get help is impossible especially on weekends. Uh, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the um, particular facility, but I will say that this is the kind of problem, um, and I don't want it to be an apology, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not being an apologist for your city council, but this is the kind of thing they may genuinely not understand. And it is the advantage of having an advisory committee which uh, can advise them on these sort of things. I got, as I say, I got, as I think I said, I got nothing but compliments about your transit system. The transit, uh, Cal the Lethbridge transit system was set up with the benefit of an advisory committee. It's virtually free, uh, it's very effective, and if you want to take a first step, uh, that would be where I would start. And you may find, uh, Madam, that it. Um, this uh, will resolve many of these problems which just seem to be so um, ornery and wrong-headed. Uh, I, I think they probably genuinely didn't understand. And it is not easy for someone who is able-bodied and uh, 30 years of age to understand what it's like to be, um, to be uh, handicapped. See, I think if the mayor had to get up to his office by this same lift, things would have changed. <laughs> I, um, yes, uh, I, um, I think that's very true. I think that's very true. Hi, Ned. My name is Dan Kordakowski, and uh, I just wanted to praise you for coming out today and speaking and uh, give you a lot of kudos for your courage. And I'd like to say that for myself, I'd don't suffer from a physical disability, I suffer from a mental disability called schizophrenia. And uh, my girlfriend and I went out and got pledges for what they call the Open Minds Walk Run. And we raised over $7,000 with help from her and her parents. Bravo. And uh, thank you. And 
I just mean education is the number one thing that you could do in my opinion. I go to police stations, fire halls, schools, um, and just educate people about what it's like to have mental illness and a disability. Like I say, it may not be physical, but it's mental, and I know I have it, and people now know that as well, and I'm not afraid to talk about it. Well, good for you, and I applaud your, your courage and your patience. Uh, changing people's attitudes takes time and patience. Two generations ago, three generations ago, people were openly uh, prejudiced against Jews. Henry Ford was quite open about it. Uh, and um, the likes of Henry Ford was quite open about it. Um, a few generations ago, people were openly prejudiced against, uh, in the, uh, against First Nations people and so on. Nobody would do that now. Uh, our attitudes toward women have changed. With time and patience, our attitudes toward the physically handicapped and our attitudes toward the mentally handicapped will be every bit as accepting as they are now with respect to Jews, First Nations, and women and the other groups who used to suffer prejudice and don't. It just takes time and patience, and I applaud you, sir, and keep up the good work. Just a little intervention here as we, um, as we uh, come close to the closing. We have five minutes left. I think there's three uh, questioners, so I'll ask you to be brief in your question and, um, and Ned to be uh, restrained in his answers. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you very much for coming to start with. Um, I've heard a lot of, my name's Maisie Jacobson, and I've heard a lot about uh, Terry's family over the years, so it's a pleasure to meet, uh, pleasure to meet some of them today. Um, I'm wondering what your opinion is on the handicapped uh, placard that uh, we put in the cars or vans uh, or whatever vehicle we're driving. And uh, I see so much blatant misuse of them. And uh, I would uh, like to advocate for the, the handicapped person's picture to be on that placard um, so that other people couldn't use it. But at the same time, there's no... Um, um, people checking to see um, who's using the handicapped sicker. Uh, I just want to make a brief comment as, as well about a lady that spoke earlier about the difficulty if you do find a parking place of getting out of the wheelchair. I made sure that I had a van that had a rear loading place for my scooter because uh, I couldn't get it out a side door in a parking lot uh, or a downtown street. So if you're getting someone out with a wheelchair, there isn't room in between your vehicle and the next vehicle. So they, uh, one solution would be that they'd have to be wider. So uh, what's your Okay, Maisie, uh, we'll get that answer and then we'll... I, I, shall, be, I shall be quick. Um, this is all about zoning and bylaw compliance. This is another issue which you could place before your city council. Uh, the building code um, provides that the handicapped parking spaces should be as, uh, as wide as 150% uh, of the width of the normal one, so you can get the doors open. 
and they often aren't, I agree. And I agree, they're often abused, and putting people's picture on would probably help a lot. They're often abused. I, I very much agree, and uh, that's another issue you might want to discuss uh, with your, uh, I keep saying your alderman, I realize you haven't got a ward system, with your uh, municipal representatives. Thanks for your presentation. My name is Jim Moyer. I have a daughter who's a partial quadriplegic, but capable of living on her own. And the problem is in this city that there's places for people, seniors to live, that are accessible. But for a person who's not a senior to find lodging in this city is very difficult. I wonder if you have any comments or anything that should be done. Um, well, it's just one of these really stubborn problems that has been around a long time. You're quite right. Um, we provide uh, housing for seniors b because it is the humanitarian thing to do and because, quite frankly, it's, good, it's, very, it's a very effective investment. If you can keep them uh, in, a, in apartments, it's a whole lot cheaper than the, than the alternative, which was for them to wind up in a nursing home. So to be as crass about this as I know how to be, it's a good investment. And it would be a good investment uh, to make accessible housing available for the handicapped. I can tell you, because I live in an area that's being grown up, this is not an easy one. We haven't succeeded in East Village, so uh, we are, uh, you and I, I guess, are crying in our beer together. I haven't been able to do it either. And I live in a community which is just being built. I'll be brief. My name's Aynard Hanyuk. And uh, I didn't hear you mention Stephen uh, Hawking at what a disabled individual can do and uh, what uh, respect uh, he has gained around the world. Uh, th there are any uh, number of examples of uh, severely handicapped. Uh, Stephen Hawking has changed the way we think about ourselves and our time. Um, I started to read his book, A Short History of Time, read the first chapter, it wasn't too bad, read the second chapter, slowed down a little. Third chapter, I had found myself going back every now and then and rereading. Fourth chapter, I got through it. Fifth chapter, I had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. This is a this is very difficult, um, uh, but you don't have to go to Stephen Hawking, uh, our own Gary... Uh, Anderson, I think. Uh, University of Alberta has done work of international renown, uh, was a polio victim for the first, uh, this uh, seems incredible, for the, until the uh, respirators were developed. The only, he, the only way he could breathe, for the first 15 years of his life, he lived and worked in an iron lung. And um, then they developed something called frog breathing. If you listen to him speak, he still does it. Uh, my name is Gary Anderson. Uh, I'm a physicist at the University of Alberta, and he and he speaks like this. Uh, but but he's he's a brilliant person. Has done work of international renown, uh, and now of course they have respirators, so he goes to sleep with a respirator. But uh, there are any number of people who have made Sam Sullivan, uh, mayor of uh, Vancouver, Stephen Fletcher, MLA, um, obviously Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, any number of people who have made enormous contributions, uh, handicapped like anyone else. Uh, there are going to be some rogues, some stupid people, 
There's going to be some brilliant people and a whole lot of people in between. But uh, we need to uh, change our society so that uh, they can make their contribution the same as everybody else's. Thank you very much. This has been a very enjoyable time. Thank you. And just let me remind you that next Thursday uh, is climate change and our food supply. And uh, thanks again to Ned for being here.